From the Rodney Kieferi Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Bank talks to us about her transition from collegiate strength and conditioning in America to professional strength and conditioning in Sweden, the creative ways needed to program for a professional team that has an age range of 15 years old to 45 years old, and her take on how to launch a successful fitness company. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind, too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was to try to get a crack into this this profession. And and, uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm joined by Coach Kaisa Bank. She's currently the head strength conditioning coach at he thought IK in Helsingborg, Sweden, and also the owner of Fitness in the Bank. Prior to that, she was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at the University of Arkansas, and she also had a stop at MSU Denver. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you, Coach Cassie. I'm excited to be on. Absolutely not. Thanks for joining us. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about your role with He Thought? Yeah. Um... So I'm the head of fitness or head strength coach at Hathops Idrotsklub. It's a big uh, soccer club in the southern part of Sweden. And total at the club, there's around 1,500 athletes. But I'm responsible for the men and women's team. And then um, I've slowly started adding on some youth teams under me as well. So it's a full go, but... uh, loving it and uh i'm excited to just keep building and seeing where we can take the club so 1500 athletes how does i'm assuming you're the only strength coach there yep i'm the only one all right so how does one strength coach manage that much 
so, so that's been the biggest probably obstacle I've had to face is time management and how I can be there and be accessible to as many teams as possible. Um, so when I first got there in January of 2018, um, I was just with the women's team. And that was the reason that I originally left the States uh, to go to Sweden was to work for the women's team. Um, and then I slowly added on the men's team once they kind of saw what I was doing with the women. Um, and then after that, uh, some youth teams asked to work with me as well. So I just, I got it to where I could, I could time it right where I was with one team and then I'd run over to the next field and work with the other team and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then now we're still in the process of, I want to keep adding teams. So last year, um, I started working with, uh, an app and, that was how I was able to send programs out to the head coaches of each youth team so that they could do their own training during their training times, but had a guideline to follow and, and exercises to do. Uh, of course, I would want to be there in person because I'm a very hands-on coach and I want to make sure that they're doing it right. So I try to run around <laughs> as much as I can, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest obstacle I face is, is time. What would you say was the key to your buy-in? Cause you said you started out with one team and then it slowly progressed to more teams. What would you say was the success on, I guess the word of mouth throughout that club that said, you know, go work with Kaisa. Um, I think they just mainly saw it as something different and unique because this club didn't have a fitness coach before me uh, or one person that just ran fitness is usually and that's how it is at a lot of clubs in Sweden or I, I would assume Europe too it's the head coaches and the assistant coaches that are running the fitness part of it too uh, so this was kind of the first time the club took or gave someone the opportunity to come and, and do the fitness part of it so when the men's team saw me doing working with the women's team. They're like, Oh, that kind of looks good. And their players are getting better. So maybe we, <laughs> we want to see what, what it's all about. So I was very fortunate to work with the men and women's uh, head coaches who were very trusting and just to kind of let me run my own show. And um, I think our results and everything that happened over the year were or telling in themselves. So uh, that's always, that's always good when you can, you have results for the work that you, you've put in. No, that's awesome. And, you know, you've been a collegiate athlete, you know, at a power five school. And then you've also been on my staff and then also at the university of Arkansas. What did you draw from, from the United States collegiate, I guess, strength and conditioning field that transferred over to the, you know, transferred over to the international side of strength and conditioning? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many differences between the States and over here. Uh, specifically one, they've never had, they never had a fitness coach before. Uh, so just, 
just that I had to take everything that I learned in the States and kind of bring it over and take the bits and pieces that could work with the club and um, kind of just like the setup that I was given because the club trains or the men and women's team in particular train three days a week. That's it. And I get about 15, 20 minutes a day with them and that's it. So instead of me having an hour with a team that I'm used to, I get an hour a week and I have to try to fit everything in there. And on top of that, there's not a weight room. So I'm doing everything on the field and I have about 10 barbells, some weights, medicine balls and bands that's all i have to work with so so let me get this straight it's sweden sweden gets cold am i correct Uh, last time i i checked it's capable of getting very cold yeah so you have barbells and everything outside like what what happens during the winter um we're just biking uh yeah we're training i mean especially now with, with corona and stuff um we're training outside all year uh there's i would say last year maybe the first year too i was here we did get some time in the indoor hall uh to do our fitness stuff but mostly it's outside so you just dress for the weather and that's that sometimes i'm nice and i if it's raining or snowing i won't make them lay down on the ground but (laughs) that's that's impressive uh now i want to preface this by saying you have family from sweden and you have a a lot of family and you've been out there in sweden so you you know the culture so it wasn't just a straight american going into sweden on like not knowing how things operate there but I mean, like you said, you guys are Vikings and you guys just gut, gut it out outside in, in, in the freezing. But is there a difference in the athlete? Because I'm assuming from what we know in America versus what, what we see internationally is like that weight room culture there. Or is, it some, is there a difference in the type of athlete there? Uh, there's definitely a difference in the type of athletes here, especially... Um, I would say in club sports, because we uh, take my women's team, for example, our youngest athlete is 15 and our oldest one is 40. So we have that huge age range where all these, everyone has different goals. Everyone, some want to go play collegiately in the States and some are just still playing because it's fun. So I, I have had this conversation before, like there's not a weight room culture like there would be in the States. Um, it's more so there's a culture around the team that the head coaches are building. And I just kind of like follow in that because my, my values need to align with theirs in order to make it work. Um, so there's, yeah, there's not, there's not like the weight room culture one, because I don't have a weight room yet. (laughs) They're in the process of building it. Um, and two, it's just, it's just, it's completely different. I'm not, everything that I do uh, is during practice. So it's, it's not a separate thing, if that makes sense. Definitely. What it, was your goal when you first got there? And what's your current goal now with, I, with you say fitness, I'm assuming that's interchangeable with strength conditioning for over there, but what's your goal 
Right. Um, yeah, I say fitness a lot because they don't call people strength coaches here. <laughs> they didn't even know what uh, the CSCS was. And I was like, oh, it's just one of the biggest strength coach certifications you can have. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, my goal coming in was just to make them better. And I think that goal is still the same. It's just we're adding levels every single year now. So what we did in 2018, in 2019, I was trying to beat that every single time. Um, so just getting them fit, getting them all on the same level, getting them to, you know, be able to play these 90 minute games and not get tired. Um, those, those are, those are my goals. And those are still my goals each and every year, uh, as we try to, cause here you can get in division one and in every division you can get relegated or, uh, you can get moved up a division. So based on, you know, what the team wants and the team goals. That's what I try to do with them every year. Now that, that's very interesting. And it's unique to watch your, your path there. Cause that was a, I guess a unique opportunity and, and you seized it, which is, is important. Yeah. I really, uh, I really just wanted to, I'm, I'm big on trying new things. And I think I was at a point where my uh, job at Arkansas was, was coming to an end and I was in that place of, okay, what's next? Where do I want to go next? And of course, like a, an assistant strength coach job at any big university would have been a dream job for me. Uh, but then when I was presented with this opportunity, um, I was kind of like, how can I not take that? Because then I get to experience something that not a lot of other strength coaches get to experience. And it's just kind of another way that I felt like I could set myself apart and also be challenged. And I have been fully challenged since I've been here. Uh, and, but I wouldn't change it. I, I've, I've loved every minute of it, even the hard, the hard times. And, it's just you just keep going and rolling with the punches and moving forward. So, absolutely. And if you were to ever come back to a collegiate weight room in the United States, what would be the one big thing you bring back with you from Sweden? Because right now, you know, it was a lot of you've been an American collegiate strength coach going out to an international club with no previous, you know, fitness coaches before. Uh, and if you were to come back, what would you say would be the one thing that you valued enough to bring to the collegiate weight rooms in America? I think just just the knowledge that I've gained here and the creativity that I've been able to, to have here, I think is something that I could absolutely bring with me to the back to the American weight rooms. Um, so just my overall experience, I think. And I think that's something that is it's the best teacher, right? Is just our experiences and, and failures. Failures are also like the biggest, the biggest teachers in life. So uh, I wouldn't say I've had any big failures yet, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. That's a good question, but I think definitely just the experience of being over here um, and being able to kind of mesh that in with being in, in America again. 
Definitely. And you're a great coach and that's, you know, why I wanted to get you on the podcast and you've always accepted challenge and new things and, and done things your way, which is impressive. How did fitness in the bank come along and was what is, what was it like starting your own business with fitness in the bank? And then also maybe some, what some advice or something you would tell a coach, like, look, I didn't think about this when I first started. So like, keep an eye on this. Right. Um, so the reason I started it, because I really, when I moved to Sweden, I didn't had no intentions of starting my own company. I never looked into it. I didn't know how, I didn't know anything about it. And then since I was only working at the club three days a week, um, the rest of the time I was just kind of sitting at home twiddling my thumbs. And as much as the downtime was super nice because I'm used to, you know, at Arkansas, I was up at 4 a.m. And even with you, I was up at 4 a.m. Just the grind, the grind, the grind. When I first got here and I had, you know, (laughs) four days to myself, I was like, what am I? What am I supposed to do? And so at first it was nice. I was reading books and I was, you know, going on walks and stuff that I didn't have time to do in the States. Um, But then I kind of started, I was bouncing ideas off of some people and even people at the club that I, that I worked with, they were like, well, what if you started your own company to kind of branch out more or, you know, just have, have more things, things to do. And, um, I partnered with a gym over by the club and, uh, the lady, so I, I pay rent at the gym and, um, she was super, super helpful because she started her own company and she's the one that owns the gym. So she completely helped me you know, figure it all out and how I was going to do it and, and gave me some more ideas. And then I've also had some other mentors that um, started their own company. So just brainstorming with them and bouncing my ideas off of them and asking them about, you know, my logos or the, even just the name for my company and the concept and, and all that stuff. And, and I've been very fortunate to where Corona hasn't really affected my job um because in sweden the gyms never closed so even though there weren't as many people coming to the gyms i still had the majority of my clients coming to the gym to train with me uh and then online training i was trying to be on social media as much as i can and to promote it and and make home training programs or just programs that were customized to what each client needed and wanted. So uh, working with an app definitely helped me do that. And I'm still doing it. And uh, I've just been very fortunate even during uh, this pandemic. We'll be right back. The GymWire Power Tool is the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training. The question isn't what does GymWire do, but what it doesn't do. You can perform velocity zones, jump testing, athlete profiling, predictive 1RM analysis, live leaderboards, asymmetry resting, fatigue monitoring, and so much more. Because of the versatility the system offers, 
coaches can rest assured they're getting the real value for their money. They are the gold standard for velocity-based training with an interface that is easy to follow and a team at Gym Aware that are always top-notch with their customers. For more information, head to the website gymaware.com or contact the Gymware team directly. In Sweden, that you, know, you said you had mentioned you had started your own business. What's the fitness, I guess, industry or you know, culture like with the normal people of Sweden? Because I know in America, it's clearly a big thing. Everybody wants to look good, so there's a lot of online trainers and a lot of online programming. Is it something similar in Sweden, or was it a unique thing? Or are you doing both, getting American? I guess, clientele base and and clients and Swedish clients? Yeah, I get, I get both clients. I get clients, uh, really I could work with a client anywhere in the world. Uh, but fitness is definitely big over here too. I think, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I think the fitness world in America is maybe just like one step ahead of what it is here. Uh, I think, like CrossFit and stuff has become a lot more popular over the years here and, and that kind of thing. But, but Swedish people are are definitely fit people. And there's definitely a a huge fitness industry here with, you know, fitness models and, and Instagram influencers and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, The only thing is I would say is obviously my background and their background and my certifications and the certifications of personal trainers here are very different. Uh, so it's, I think even in this industry and the one in in America, it's about finding your niche in the fitness world, because it's a lot of, you know, copy and paste and you see this, so you want to be like that because you think that works. And, but people like to see like uniqueness and individuality and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, that's definitely something that I'm still working on and figuring out with my company. Um, and I think it'll take time, but yeah. And, and what would you say is a, a piece of advice you'd give to somebody trying to start their own business? Cause I know it's a, it's easy to talk about starting your own business and then it's another thing to actually start your own business. So what would you use? a piece of advice for a coach or an individual out there trying to start their own online fitness or online programming? Uh, I would say one, do it. (laughs) Two, find your niche, find something that's going to make you unique and stand out. And three, I think the more you can, can kind of plan it out if you need to make a, you know, write it down or make a vision board or, or something that's going to help you kind of figure out and see the steps ahead of you. I think that makes it a lot easier. I kind of went into it just blind. Like, yeah, I'm starting my own company. This is so cool. Like, let's go. And then I got into it and I was like, okay, (laughs) what do I do now? (laughs) I have my company. What do I do? And uh, just, yeah, like, especially on Instagram, you have to be consistent um, and keep, putting out material and keep, I, I honestly, I'm, I film myself working out 
but I don't know that I necessarily like doing that. I would rather film other people because that's, I'm a coach. Like I'm used to other people doing it. And then when you have your own fitness company that people want to see you doing it and you know, you are your brand. So they want to see the person whose brand it is doing the workouts. And uh, so that's been, you know, getting comfortable doing that. And, uh, but definitely I think anyone that wants to do it, do it, just kind of map it out first and, and have an idea of what's going to make you stand out in the industry. Cause it is a very saturated industry. And even as strength coaches, you know, there's coaches who go and take the CSCS and think that they can coach and then they get on the floor and, and they can't, they're not, they're not good coaches. And I think it's the same here. Like it might look good, but are you a good coach? Can you program? Well, like, what do you offer that the other, you know, the next person in the industry doesn't, uh, yeah. And just, just being confident and going with it, just go for it. Definitely. And could you talk a little bit and, and provide maybe some help from information for all of our female strength coaches listening, whether they're just getting done with a internship or getting done with a, a GA, any piece of advice for being a, a woman in our industry and being a success? I think the most important thing being a female in a male-dominated industry is letting your work speak for itself and just demanding respect on the same level as a male coach would. Um, I always saw being in the being a female in the strength and conditioning world as a challenge. And just like, you know, starting my own company, you're moving across the world. Like I knew it was going to be a challenge and you just have to, you just have to keep going and uh, remember why you do it. I think that's really, really important. Um, and just prove people wrong because I think a lot of the times that is, you know, oh, she got a job because she's a female and they needed a female, not because, oh, she got the job because she was a really good coach. Um, so I think, again, just making your work speak for itself um, is, is huge. Yeah. No, I think that, that's great. And what about, you know, what would you tell just a gen in general, that strength coach that just coming off an internship or their GA, like the, the younger strength coach, cause you've been there, you know what it's like to, you know, intern and, and GA and work the long hours and do all the grunt work for very little. So what would you, what would you tell them? I would, I would first ask them to ask themselves why they're doing it. Uh, I know that even through my internship, I watched interns drop off like flies every semester because they realized that it wasn't for them and they weren't willing to put in the unpaid hours and all the long hours and all that stuff um, because they wanted that satisfaction immediately. And if you have been in the strength coach industry, you know that it just takes time and it's all about connections and it's all about who you know, but it's also about putting in that time. So if you're not willing to put in that time, then you might as well <laughs> stop now because yeah, I did, I did three years unpaid. I was at, I was in grad school and I was working three jobs on top of that along with the long hours and getting up at 4am. Uh, so 
but I knew what I was passionate about. So if you're really passionate about it, then you just have to get through, you know, the beginning, the beginning years. But that's how I felt like that's how the coaches that had been in the industry for a long time, that's how they were going to be able to take me seriously. Like, well, wow, she put her groundwork in. She really worked hard and she stuck through it. And now she's at this point. So yeah, just if, if you're, if you're passionate about it and you do it for the right reasons, then just keep going. Definitely. And what was your mindset throughout the, the tough times? Cause I, no, personally, having I coached you at, at Colorado, and then you know had you on my staff at MSU Denver, and then watched you, and everybody kind of knows you. You know, you know, you're definitely funny in like the life of the party. And how, what was your mindset knowing? Because I, you know, I remember, you know, four thirty in the morning, and you still found a way just to like not let the the gravity of the situation being there, like we're our fifth month in and it's four in the morning again. Like what, what was your mindset going, going through the, the tough times? Oh gosh. My mindset was, I think it's, it's the same as when, you know, hard times are always going to come, but tomorrow's a, a better day. So if I can get through today, then, then tomorrow's going to be better. And I think I also thought about how it could always be worse. So even though I was in a really crappy situation or I, you know, hurt myself again or, or facing any type of adversity that I've had to face, I've always thought about, well, somebody has it worse or I don't know. I think I've just been, I've just been, I kind of laugh it off too. I've noticed that I kind of just laugh it off. Um, like I got hit by a car this year when I was biking to work and I just <laughs> like laugh that off. Um, as much as it sucked and I was like out for a few weeks, I just was like, yeah, I got hit by a car. Like <laughs> what's next? Um, but I think also once you've gone through enough stuff, each time gets a little bit easier because you know, you can get through it. Um, so just staying positive, I think being positive is, is huge. I think having a good support system is huge. I've had, uh, I've been fortunate to have the best support system out there. Um, and they laugh with me. So (laughs) you just, you just have to surround yourself with people who are there to uplift you when you're down. And then when they're down, you uplift them and just keep it moving. That's awesome. I had one quick question, just thinking about what we've talked about already. So you said in your club, you have 15 year olds all the way up to 40 year olds. How do you go about planning that? Cause I would think, you know, 15 year olds, you have an opportunity to really take some time, develop them, teach them the, the good movements. And then hopefully they can take that with them as they progress through the teams. Uh, but how do you, how do you, program a 15 year old because that is a huge difference in in age groups there yeah um the thing is that like fitness wise and all that kind of stuff 
Yes, there was some that came in a little bit more fit than the other. My 40-year-old is one of the most fit players we have. But when it came to like basic movements, I felt like all of them were starting on the same spot because they had never had a fitness coach before. So whether she was 40 or she was 25 or she was 15, we're all kind of starting back at basics. So I programmed it like I was starting with a group of freshmen regardless of age. Uh, and I think the soccer, the head coach did that as well. Uh, so we were like back to basics. We got to teach them from the ground up because they've never experienced this before. They've never had this before. We had a, we had a head coach who, uh, she was very, she's one of, she's an amazing coach, but she came in with fire. So she, and she demanded a lot from them. And then I was demanding a lot from them physically also. So it was, it was an adjustment period. And had we not started at the basics, I think we would have destroyed them. I think we would have destroyed their bodies. So programming wise, it was like I was programming for a group of freshmen. And do you, what do you do as terms as recovery? Cause I'm, I'm thinking, you know, your typical, any kind of movement session you have or any kind of, SMR, any kind of soft tissue work, you know, typically you're not rolling around in the snow in Sweden doing it. So what, do you have stuff that you send them home with or how do you go about your, your recovery? Uh, Cause I'm assuming it's a year round thing for them. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I will have them right. rolling around in the snow. There we go. That's not there a problem. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we do. Uh, when I came, I uh, had the club buy in a, a lot of foam rollers, uh, tennis balls, that kind of stuff, bands uh, to stretch with. And they had never had them before. I, I had girls that never, or I had players that never had foam rolls before or really stretched. And then I kind of noticed how, well, at the beginning of each year, I take them through a functional movement screen. So that first one, when I first came in, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I have my word cut out. So I made it a point to uh, have an extra training session each week, but it was just mobility. So then I was able to actually book time inside in the hall and, uh, and do mobility work with them. And a lot of them came and took advantage of that opportunity. And then as the season went on every Thursday, if they played on Saturday was mobility and injury prevention. So then I took them through a whole mobility series after uh, the workouts and then injury prevention before the workouts. So uh, I I think this is the first time too, that they've had a coach who cares about recovery uh, and takes the time to take them through mobility and stuff. And then that was actually, I've actually been fortunate to get invited to, to training camps and work with other teams just with mobility. <laughs> so that's been, that's been cool. But I think it is because it was, it was more unique here. Coaches didn't take time to stretch their athletes properly or, or just, yeah, just basic, basic movement patterns really. Uh, so I, I've definitely been big on recovery and, and we have workshops so that, and I've talked in the workshops about, you know, nutrition and, and hydration and, and all that stuff. So we give them a lot of tools that they can use 
And then if they need more than that, then we give them that, that they can do at home too, because again, I'm limited to my time <laughs> at the field. Definitely. Definitely. And are the workshops you talking to the athletes or are you talking to the coaches or both? Uh, both, but a lot of it is me talking to the athletes or for the women's team, women's team in particular, uh, the head coach had a workshop every week on top of practice. So we would practice first and then we would have an hour long workshop. She was also big on the mental aspect of it. Um, because again, at a club, like we don't have a sports psychologist, like a lot of colleges do, we don't even have an athletic trainer. So I was kind of treated as the athletic trainer and I had to deal with stuff that I was like, I did not sign up for this. Um, (laughs) like a girl sliced her ear. Nope. Yeah. So there was a lot of new stuff that, that we brought in, but the workshops were a lot to work on the mental aspect of the game and bringing this team together that had such a big age range. Like how can we get a 15 year old and a 40 year old to work together on the field? Um, So that was huge. And that was a big emphasis that the head coach had. And I thought, I think it was great. Nice. If you could pick up the phone and call Kaisa Bank from five years ago, what would you tell her? That's a good question. I think I would tell her that your life is going to look a lot different than you think it is, <laughs> but just, just follow your path and every sign and every, you know, reroute is taking you exactly where you're supposed to be. And I feel like that every time I go somewhere new or, or there's a new opportunity, it's because I'm supposed to be there. And there's a reason why I'm there. Um, I don't know if I know the reason, but <laughs> there's definitely, there's definitely a, a meaning behind all of it. So just trust the process and keep working hard. Nice. And what's next for coach bank? Like what can we, what's something we can look forward to or what do you got in the works up there in Sweden? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm staying on for another season at the club. Um, and then I've actually been fortunate enough to add on two other men's teams in the local area that I'll be uh, working with at the field. Uh, so that's super cool. Um, just expanding my brand, you know, new gear and all that stuff. I just got my, uh, kind of slogan trademark over here, uh, the invest in yourself. Uh, so trying to come out with new clothing and, and all that stuff and just, just growing the brand and being consistent with it and seeing how far I can go. And who knows, maybe expanding to more countries. I mean, I have a dream of mine that uh, I'm working towards. So Awesome. And you know, what's the best way our listeners can find out more about what you're doing or your coaching or your, your company? Uh, I mean, any social media platform, really. Uh, I have my website that I built this year. That was give it, Go and give a shout out. Let them know what those, those social media handles are on your website. Oh, yeah. Uh, fitnessinthebank.com. Uh, on Instagram, it's fitnessinthebank. On Facebook, it's fitnessinthebank. I don't have a Twitter. I've kind of fallen off of Twitter, but apparently a lot of strength coaches use it. So maybe I need to hop back on. <laughs> uh, yeah, fitness in the bank. Just fitness in the bank. I wanted to, you know, tell you, thank you for 
you know, coming on the podcast. I know it's been, it's been fun to watch your, your career path thus far. And, you know, it was interesting to watch you go from, you know, the collegiate round all the way out to, to Sweden and, you know, chart your own path. And I think that's it's important to know that any opportunity is a good opportunity and you took it and it's been working out for you. So thanks, you know, for coming on the podcast and, you know, we'd look forward to catching up with you here soon. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I know I've told you before, but you gave me my first opportunity in the strength and conditioning world. So, uh, I can't thank you enough for that and taking a chance on me. Cause otherwise I would not be here. <laughs> no, it worked out perfectly. I appreciate you. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10 pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. ON even released ready to drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with ON to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements and ON continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products, or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact ON's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at ON underscore athletics underscore West or email rkravitz at glambia.com. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I have yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. 
great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.